0: Would you mind standing with me in honor of God's word? Sarah, earlier in the service, read Luke chapter 24, 1 through 12. Now we're going to continue the story. Here's verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread, would you pray with me? Lord, thank you. Lord, if there has ever been a day where I need to be hidden behind the cross so that we can see Jesus, hear Jesus, and respond to Jesus, it's this day. Would you you please come? Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come, remove every distraction from our heart and our mind, and Lord, help us to engage with you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you may be seated. So the title of the message is Talking While We Walk. Point one is Processing Life Together. So it is a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and the average person walking, it's going to take just over two hours to get there. So they have got two hours where they are walking together, talking, and processing everything that has happened together. Now, the first thing that struck me as I was reading this was that they weren't on their phones. <laughs> Do you know that the average American looks at their phone every three minutes? There, there, there's a cartoon, it was a few years ago now, in the first frame it's a young man having breakfast and you can see him up close and he's got a cell phone sitting there and in the second frame, there's a ding on the cell phone and it's from his sister and it says, please pass the milk. And then it goes wide and she's on the other side of the table behind a cereal box and they found a way to not talk to each other. And, but this is how God has made us. He has made us to process life together, to process here they are. they're processing their, their disappointment, their confusion, their hopes, they're trying to figure out what is God saying in all this? What is God saying to me? What is he, what is he saying? What, what does all this mean? What does life mean? We're supposed to talk about this together. So that is point one. Now we're on to point two. Oh, just so you know, Easter Sunday. Four points, not three. <laughs> but we're already at point two. So here, here, here's point two. Hearing Jesus in conversation. So here's Matthew 18, 20. Jesus says, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. So this is a, this is a, a prophecy he's giving about his resurrected state. When I am, when I am risen from the dead, I will... I can be present in every conversation about me. I, 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 there will be no limits, and I will come, and I will manifest myself special when you are together talking about me, talking about my purposes. That's what it means in his name. His purposes, his thoughts, his, his glory. When, when people are gathered together, now, it's not that God isn't everywhere at all times and sees everything at all times, because he certainly is, but Jesus says, I'm gonna make a special appearance When people come together, this is why I made I made you to come together. I made you to process together. And all of a sudden, you'll be talking, and all of a sudden, there'll be more than just each other's voice. I will be there. I will be in the midst. Well, this is like the first manifestation of that promise. There they are. They're gathered together in his name. They're talking about him, and boom, there he is. And all of a sudden, Jesus is speaking in the midst of this conversation this last week every every tuesday morning actually at 8:30 we have our extended staff meeting and so there's about 31 of us and and it's a very informal time everybody's got coffee and we start with testimonies what is what is god doing and and n- there's no script people just share whatever they share and and then we have worship together and then we do prayers and and prophetic and it just kind of this this time of processing together. And uh, later, later that night, Alice said that she, Alice comes to it too, my wife. And she said, one of the extended staff, they got to chat afterwards. And she, she had come in very heavy into that time. Just it was like a cloud. And she couldn't give the exact moment. But sometime during all of that sharing, and all that praying, all that worship, it just lifted. It was just gone. Just by being together, all of a sudden, it wasn't just human. God was there and freeing people and speaking to people. This last Thursday, I met with a young man. He gave me permission to tell this story. And uh, he had been in some very deep darkness. And he, he had gotten saved, had walked free from it. But he had gotten back into it. And he, just, he couldn't seem to get free. And it was, it was very dark, and he felt a lot of shame for it. And he said, he said, but a couple weeks ago, he said, I came up during the prayer time, and somebody prayed over me. And they prayed this verse from First Timothy, that godliness with contentment brings great gain. That was the verse. And he said, Pastor Tom, I can't, I can't explain how but my heart was burning. This was the word of the Lord to me. He said, that was two weeks ago. He said, it still, spe- I am free. I've been absolutely free ever since that time because it, was, it wasn't just a broken human being speaking. God spoke it. He said, I had been being godly, but I was complaining about it. <laughs> I was godly, but complaining, and there's no gain for godliness with complaining. It's godliness with contentment to, to enjoy Jesus, to, 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 to enjoy him, to find contentment in him, and to stop complaining about all the things that aren't. And he said, ever since then, I've just been happy in Jesus. He said, it was like Jesus himself spoke to me during that time. So I have people say to me all the time, Pastor, I don't know how you knew it. You spoke right to me. It was exactly what I needed. That sermon was exactly just for me. I don't know how you do it. Here's how. I don't do it. Seriously, I don't do it. I just get up here and talk. And Jesus intimately walks among us. When we honor the scriptures, he comes and he speaks and he makes an application that is so personal. It is Jesus speaking. Even though you may not recognize it, it's Jesus speaking right to you. It's amazing. All right, so we're on to point three. Our eyes must be opened. So in verse 16, it says that God had prevented their eyes from recognizing that it was Jesus. Then in verse 32, when they're talking, after Jesus has shown himself, they're saying, Were, did our hearts not burn as he opened up the scripture for us. They didn't figure it out. Scripture was opened up to them. And while they broke bread, the verse before that says, all of a sudden, they recognized him. All of a sudden, they saw him. God has to open our eyes for us to see Jesus, for us to understand the word of God. There has to be, in the mercy of God, There has to be this revelation. Um, 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having after being captured by him to do his will. So that means that when people are in darkness, when the gospel is hidden from them, it really doesn't matter how logical you are or how loud you are or how convincing you think you are, they're not going to get it unless God opens their eyes. And so we can afford to be gentle Patient and kind, but also courageous. We're, we're called in this verse to correct those who are in opposition. To, to say what, what the truth is. Patient. Patiently enduring evil. You know, I don't have that much trouble patiently enduring evil with the unbelieving. And here's why. People were so patient with me. Oh, my When I went to college, I was so filled with myself and my opinions. And there's this verse in in Proverbs. And it says that a fool um, is not seeking wisdom, but only to air his own opinions. And that was totally me. And so I get invited down to this Bible study, and I love to talk. I love to hear myself talk. And so I'm down there, and I'm arguing, and I'm saying what I think, and I think this, and I think that, and I think this, and, and I did not find their logic convincing at all. But here's what I did notice. They were nicer than me. <laughs> They're just kind. They're loving. They love me. I, and I was, a ma- I was evil. <laughs> I, I at least knew that much. And, uh, and then one day, my eyes were opened. And I'm like, oh my, I was wrong all this time. I was so sure I was right and I was wrong. And oh my, this is all true. You can't force it. God has to open their eyes. So Thursday mornings, 8.30, we play pickleball. We had a group of pastors from the church, some, some other guys from the church, we play at the East Side Princeton Club, and the way it works is we we've got this court we we get on the far other side so that no one joins us, and whoever shows up we have a little tournament. And so this last week we we had uh, five of us, and so you play with everybody once. And but the rules at the Princeton Club are, are technically people can join you, and if they join you, you need to make a spot for them. And so. So that we're, we're, I'm sitting out. I've, I've played a couple of games. I'm sitting out, and this lady comes walking into the gym. We are in the far. This is a huge, massive. It's a double gym. It's a quadruple gym. And she comes and she's walking and she's walking and she's walking and she comes and she sees us and she keeps walking. And she goes and then she comes up and she sits right next to me. Total stranger. Total stranger. She sits right next to me. I'm on the floor. She's sitting right next to me. Now, I got the idea that maybe God wanted me to chat with her. So we started talking, and I find out that uh, she's uh, near, she could retire, but she's very successful in business, and so she's not, and da-da-da-da-da, and and I said, and and how about Easter? What, What are your, what are your, are you going to church for Easter? And she said, oh no. She said, I am spiritual, but not religious, and she, and and so I'm like, all right, let's talk about that, and so she said, you know, if I was in a Muslim country, I'd be Muslim, and if I was, if I was in a Buddhist country, I'd be Buddhist, and I just happen to be in a Christian country, and, and so I, I I was raised Lutheran, but I'm, I'm only spiritual, I am not, I'm not religious, and, uh, and I said, well, I said, you know, that works, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. I said, 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says, if Jesus did not physically rise from the dead in our history, then Christianity is simply not true. And if Christianity is not true, then anything could be true. And so you can just, wherever you want to be, wherever you want to, there's, no, there's nothing t- true anyway. So however you decide to make your own rules is fine. I said, but if Jesus rose from the dead, that means that's the truth. And that means Jesus is the way. That means that all of these other religions that, that are all trying to get to God are, are wrong. And, and that man can't get himself to God. That, that God had to come to man. And God had to take on flesh. And, and that's, what, that's, what the gospel, that's what the gospel is. And then the pickleball game ended. And they're like, and, and now it's our turn to come in. So it's both of us. And so, you know, I told her about church on Sunday. You're certainly welcome to come to church. And um, we play pickleball. It's fun. What, did you, did you chase her down later in the parking lot? Did you, did you follow up on it? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, and I wasn't yelling at her. I wasn't rebuking her. I wasn't doing it. I was gentle and kind and patient and told her what the truth was. But honestly, guys, God has to open people's eyes. God has to open their eyes. But I wanna, I wanna give you a little warning in our current culture. This is, this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse four. It says, uh, for if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached or you receive a different spirit which you have not received or a different gospel which you have not accepted, this you tolerate very well. In her mind, she had a different Jesus. Jesus was a historical figure who taught really good things and gave a really good example. And she said it. She said, I, I believe in the golden rule. And, you know, that's my Christianity. I believe in the golden rule. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm glad you believe in the golden rule. But that's not Christianity. Even though Jesus is the one that said it, that it's not, Christianity is not behavior modification. Christianity is about the resurrection and the power to actually live the golden rule. It's about a resurrection power whereby, by the grace of God, we can live in relationship with God. So I, I've got I've got family I've got loved ones who, probably in church today somewhere, they just they they've got a different gospel and a different Jesus. He's not alive today. He's not actively building his church. He's not speaking to people. He's, he's distant and he's kind of left us on our own. And he's certainly not risen from the dead. And, but they can still talk about Jesus and they can still talk about some of the things that he said and how we do it. And, and, you know, they call, they call my sister Katie and I the born Agains. You're the, you're the, they're the, they're the born Agains. They've got us in a separate class. And I get it. And people are like, well, hey, you know, the, the devil is, they need to be saved from the snare of the devil and the enemy is blinding the eyes and, and don't worry about us. We don't believe in the devil. We're, we're, we're 21st century Americans and we're scientific and we're smart. So we don't believe in all that stuff anymore. Listen, Jesus died and rose from the dead. He gets to tell you what the right worldview is. Don't, don't, don't be smarter than Jesus. There is a devil, there is darkness, there is spiritual blindness, and we live in a world that is, that is, is trying to make its own gospel, its own Jesus, and set the terms its own way, and God will just be okay with it because this is what I've come to by myself. No, Jesus, Jesus rose from the dead, folks, His worldview is the right one. If your worldview is different than Jesus' worldview, then you have to change yours. He will never change his. His way is the truth. Come on. All right, point four, talking about the resurrection. So on their way there, it actually took about two hours to walk it. But when you're sad and you're depressed and you're confused, two hours can feel like four hours. It's becoming dark. That's why they asked Jesus to stay, is because the day is well spent. It's getting dark. In that day, it was very dangerous to walk at night. And so you know, you should you should come and stay the night. Well, then he appears to them. And all of a sudden, all fear leaves. <laughs> And they immediately walk back to Jerusalem. They go back the seven miles. There's no talk of what might happen to us. They're, the fear is gone. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. My feeling is that seven miles back felt like about two minutes. As soon as they get there, they're like, he's alive. He's alive. We saw him. Here's what happened. Da-da-da, 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 But not just that night. It's the rest of their lives. The resurrection is not just an event in history. It is a worldview of how you, it changes everything. It's not that you don't still see the mess that the world is in and all the depression and all the darkness and all the difficulty, but you just see it through a new lens because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He sees it. He can redeem it. There's nothing so far gone that Jesus can't bring it back. There's no sin so bad that he can't forgive it. There's no addiction that's so strong that he can't break it. There's, there's nothing that he can't do. Why? Because he rose from the dead. It, it, it is a whole worldview. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anybody be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Everything changes with the resurrection. When you enter into the resurrection, you are no longer defined by your past. You're not defined by your failure. You're not defined by your sin. You're not defined by your darkness. You're not defined by what other people think about you. You become defined by God in his His opinion, his resurrection, his power, his glory. It's a whole new identity. It affects literally every day, every moment Of your life. God is calling His people not just to believe in an event, but to receive an identity of resurrection and to walk in it so that our days are not seeming longer than they are. A few more weary days to live and then we'll fly away. No, He wants a few more beautiful days to live, a few more powerful days to live, a few more fruitful days to live, and yeah, then I'll fly away. Praise God because he's covered it all, talking about the resurrection. So Michael Bingham and I went to Honduras last, not last week, the week before that. Now, if you've ever traveled in a foreign country, it becomes very, 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 very important to you that your luggage comes. (laughs) I mean, it's important if you're in the States and you're just, you know, you're always happy to see your luggage because... But when you're in a foreign country, especially Honduras, it's very hot down there, you're going to need lots of changes of clothes and undergarments and everything, and you want to see that luggage roll off the, 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 off of that thing. And, and so uh, Michael's, Michael, we're waiting there, and Michael's luggage comes, and he, is, he happily gets it off, and honestly, with very little concern whether mine comes or not. <laughs> Mine never came, and, and so uh, and, and we're, we speak English, everybody else speaks Spanish, and so they finally get me to somebody that speaks English, and, and so he goes on his computer, and I've got my tag there, and he's like, oh, there it is, it's in Miami. <laughs> oh, praise God, <laughs> praise God, it's in Miami, and I'm like, Ta- let's talk about this. Here's Michael's bag, here's my bag. They both get on the originally together, what, is there somebody that's like, okay, that one, that one, no, no, that, that one's going to make it, that one, isn't. I don't know how they do it, but mine wasn't there, and he's like, he's like, it's very possible that it will come on the next flight, and we actually, we, we had to go to this, the, the city of refuge, which is quite a ways away, and, and, but somebody else was coming on that later flight, and it's like, okay, praise God, it, you know, it's just a little delay, Okay? didn't come on the next flight. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to have to go back there in the morning. And uh and so we w- 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 Michael is Michael is with me and he's going to d- give his testimony to the group that we were supposed to speak to that morning. So he's got the the main interpreter and I have to go back to the airport, and they did say that it had come in, so we just need to go back to the airport, but I need to take the interpreter with me, and it's a different interpreter. She's brand new. It's her first day. It's her first day interpreting, and uh, I'm going to tell her story, so I'm not going to give you her real name, but the name that I started calling her was Rolanda that was the wrong name. I found out later. She was so polite. She didn't say anything. And then finally, somebody calls her by her real name. I'm like, "Say your real name? She's like, yeah. Like, are you? But for our purposes, I'm going to just call her Rolanda so that she stays anonymous. So we are on this track back to the airport. And it's over gravel roads, and it's going to be a long way. And and it's me and this other guy in front, and Rolanda is in the back. And I, I just start chatting with her about her life. And she's she's 23 years old, and she has a seven-year-old brother. She showed me a picture of her brother, and she lives with her her mom. And um, the mom and dad are divorced. He he works in. Te- he's he's lives in Texas now. He's illegal in Texas, but he's got his own car repair, and he sends money every month to help them, and she lost her job 20 days ago. She was at, she was working for the airport, and they were downsizing, and so now this is one way that she's going to make money is, is to, to interpret for people, but she said, my mom, um, we're going to expand our restaurant, too. They oftentimes what they'll do is they'll have a restaurant right in their home, right out of their home. And now they're expanding it. They're going to put a sign up. They're going to make some more tables, and she's going to wait on these tables. And, and so I'm hearing the, the, the story, and she currently doesn't have a boyfriend, but she's, they're, they're devout Catholic. And I grew up Catholic, so I, 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 know, I know a little about what a, a Catholic faces and, and what might be some specific issues that might make things difficult. And, uh, and so she's telling the story. And all of a sudden, the guy driving is like, uh, something is very wrong right now with our vehicle. He said, that light, that light never comes on. These other lights are fine. That light, no. <laughs> she, he's like, we are, we are losing power. And as he says it, the air conditioning goes off. The lights on the inside on the dashboard are going off. And, and he's like, we need to pray right now. He said, we need to turn around and we need to get back to the base. We need to get back. To the- we do not want to be abandoned out here. And so we're all praying. He's turning around. We're going back. And, uh, and during that time, Jesus speaks to me. and <laughs> He says, this, this is Rolanda's day. This is Rolanda's day. This whole thing is not about the luggage. It's not about the car breaking down. This, what's on God's heart is somebody is going to get saved today. And, and he has divinely set up all of this stuff. And I'm, I, so we get back to the base miraculously and we get in a different vehicle to go back to the airport. And I say, hey, I need to, I need to, I need to be in back with Rolanda. And we get in and I say, guys, could we just turn the music off for this, for this trip? So they turn the music off. And I get to share with her. Here's what I shared with her. First, I asked her two questions. First one, Rolanda, if you died today, do you know that you would go to heaven? She said, yeah, yeah, I'd go to heaven. And I said, okay, here's the second question. You died and you're standing before the throne of God and God says, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say to him? She said, hmm, I would say that I'm a good person. I, I would say that I, I, I go to church and I believe in him. And I'm like, Rolanda, and, she, and she's such a sweet girl. I said, Rolanda, I know you believe in the Bible, don't you? She said, oh yeah, we believe in the Bible. And I said, well, I said, the Bible, I said, I, and I was raised Catholic, so I know sometimes Catholics don't really know the Bible that much. They believe in it, but they don't really know it. I said, Bible says something very different about how somebody gets to heaven. And how, how somebody can know they're going to go to heaven. I said, would you be interested in hearing that? She said, yes. Here's what I said. So this thing, the whole thing started. God created humanity because God is love. And the very nature of love is that it wants to share itself. And so God made everything. And everything that is made glorifies him. But we are the pinnacle of, of his creation. We were made in his image. And that means this. That that we're the only ones in creation, not only that can receive God's love, but that can love him back. Stars are wonderful. Trees are wonderful. Birds are wonderful. They glorify God in what they are, but they can't love God back. And so we were created not just to be loved, but to love God back. Well, of course, for that to happen, we had to be made free. And that's where the story goes dark. In our freedom, we chose not God. And that's what the Bible calls sin. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, and I gave her this verse. God says, my hand is not short that I couldn't save you, and my ear is not deaf that I couldn't hear you, but your sins have separated you from your God. So sin, here's God, here's human beings. Sin has caused this chasm of division. And I said, Rolanda, there's three things every human being needs to know from the Bible about sin. Number one, all have sinned. Romans 3.20, all have sinned and fall short of the glory. 3.22, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, the interesting thing about it, though, is we haven't all sinned in the same way. The center of sin is the letter I. And that is the center of sin, is I. Me doing my own thing, going my own way Some pillaging, stealing, raping others, going to church with a three-piece suit. But when, I, when, when I'm in the middle, when I'm running my own life, when I'm in charge, when I'm Lord, that's the center of sin. And the Bible says everybody has sinned in that way. Everybody. Number two, all deserve death. Romans 6 says that the wages of sin is death. What we have earned for our sinning is It is every one of us deserve death. And in the Bible, death is much more than physical death. It is spiritual death. It is separation from God. And if you and I die in our sins, we will be separated from God for all eternity. And the third thing is judgment. Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto a person once to die. And after that, the judgment. The most important day in my life, in your life, in everybody's life is after our life is done. We outlive our bodies. We will all give an account for how we live before a holy God. So what human beings are doing is trying to get back to God. <laughs> we, we sense the, the lack. We sense our sin. And, and, and God's put in us a, a, a knowing that he is there, that he exists. And so people try to get back to him. And they try to get back to him a number of ways. One, one way they try to get back to him is by being good. And if I do enough good, then that will outweigh my bad. And certainly in God's justice, he will accept me. A second way is human religion. And the problem with that one, of course, is all the religions say something different. And and if you keep our religion, you will make it. If you knock on enough doors, if you get the right karma, if you... um, kiss the statue, you give enough money, whatever, every religion says something different, and, but if you keep our rules, here's our promise, you'll make it, you'll be fine. The third one is uh, morality, just as long, as long as I'm a good person, and we've changed morality today to sincerity, as long as I do whatever, uh, whatever's in my heart, as long as I follow my heart, I'll be fine, because, you know, da-da-da-da-da. It wouldn't be fair otherwise. I just do whatever I think is right. And I I struggle with sincerity being the standard because Adolf Hitler was very sincere when he thought the Aryan race was superior and that we can wipe out all the Jews and that he's doing everybody a favor. Very sincere. Morality and sincerity are not the same thing. But anyway, I I, I said there's, there's two things that are really important in this for us to understand. Number one, no matter how much human beings do In goodness or religion or in morality, it's far short of God's standard of holiness. God is holier beyond anything we can possibly think. The Bible says even our righteous deeds are as filthy rags to him. No matter how much you would do, it's way, way short of perfection. But there's a second thing I want you to notice, and this has caused so much confusion in the human race, is we spend a lot of time comparing ourselves to other people. And a lot of times we get the idea that we're righteous because we're better than somebody else. We, this is why people watch so many crime shows, because there's somebody I'm better than. Praise God. <laughs> I feel a little more righteous because I haven't killed anybody. Anyway, um, but you could get this false sense that I'm okay because I'm no worse than the next guy. And, and, and that leads to a, a, a deception that I'm, I must be okay. Like God has this curve and I'm somehow above the curve. Maybe I'm not way above the curve, but I'm certainly better than the average person. God doesn't have a curve. It's 100%. You gotta be totally holy or you can't be in his presence. that's why it says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it is by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man boast. There is a way, Rolanda, but it is not by human works. It's not by good works. It's not by human morality. It's not by human religion. The way back is not on man's side at all. It's on God's side. So this is John five twenty four. It says this. Jesus said, Whoever hears my message and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come into judgment. I said... Rolanda, this is an unbelievably important message. If you hear it and you believe it, instead of getting the death you deserve, that all humanity deserves, you get eternal life. And instead of there being a judgment for your sins, there is no judgment for sin. I said, what do you think that message is? And she's like, she's thinking and she's thinking and she's thinking. She says, I have no idea. (laughs) And I said, Rolanda, I want you to know You have heard this a thousand times. I'm going to give you the answer, but you've heard it a thousand times before. But I want you to hear it with New ears. Sin separated us from God's presence, but it never separated us from his love. God never stopped loving the human race. Right when mankind first sinned, there was a plan in place. And here was the plan that he would come down, he would take on a human form, and that he would live a perfect life, and that he would die in our place, and that all of the holiness of God, all the wrath against sin, would come on him, and he would be a sacrifice for us. First Peter 3:18. Christ died for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring us to God. Isaiah 53, 6, we like sheep had all gone astray, each to our own way, but the Lord laid the iniquity of us all upon him. I'm like, she, I said to her, I said, that's, that's what you believe, right? She's like, yeah. I said, well, it's really important, this word believe, whoever hears and believes, it's really important that your definition of believe and God's definition of believe are the same. Because here's what it doesn't mean. It does not mean give mental assent to the facts. The Bible says the demons believe in that way and shudder. When the Bible says believe, it means three things. Number one, I must receive Christ. This is John 1, 11 and 12. He came to his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him, To them, he gave the power to become the children of God. Not born of man, not born of a decision of man, but born of God. Christianity, at the end of the day, is not keeping a bunch of rules or following or or believing a bunch of doctrines. It is, I must receive Christ. I must receive the resurrected Christ into myself. Secondly, to do that, I have to open my door. Revelation 3.20. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. If God wants to save me, then why doesn't he come in? Because he loves us. He wants our love. So he he won't force his way in. He will come and he will knock. And sometimes he'll burn and he'll open your eyes. Just because your heart's burns and your eyes are open does not mean you've opened your door. You have to make a choice. You have to open your own door door. God will not do that for you. That's what we give him back is we choose him. And then, and then the third one, to, to believe biblically, I must. This is Romans 10, 9. If you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That I must confess Jesus as Lord. This is a tough one for Americans. I told her this. I said, in America, we want to be forgiven and we want to go to heaven. We just don't want anybody to tell us what to do. (laughs) And I told her about our sign. I said, we've got a sign at our church that says, come as you are. And this is exactly how God takes us, just as you are. With all your junk, all your darkness, you get to come. God loves you just as you are. But to be saved, you have to accept him as he is. Jesus can't just be savior. He has to be who he is. He is savior and Lord. So to be saved, there has to be a change of management. You've been the middle to be saved. It's called repentance. I have been the middle, forgive me. (laughs) Jesus, take your spot. You take the center of my life. And God, I give you permission to clean up anything you want to clean up change my worldview, do whatever you want to do. You are Lord, not me. That's what it means to confess him as Lord. And I said, Rolanda, there's three people in the world. One is over on this man's side, and they say, stop talking to me, please. I'm doing my own thing, going my own way. I don't don't want to, ah, don't talk to me. Second person is on the other side. They're on God's side, and that person is St. Glory. This is a broken, flawed human being. But they know that they know beyond a shadow of doubt they're going to heaven. And the reason why they know is because they've taken their trust out of their good works, out of their morality, out of their religion, and they put all their trust in Jesus. The question isn't, am I good enough? The question is, was Jesus good enough? Was his sacrifice enough? And they are born again. They have received Christ. They are flawed, they're broken, but they know they're going to heaven when they die. And I said, there's a third group of people, and they're right at the door. And I said, Rolanda, if you had to say which one you are, which one would you say? And she said, I'm that one at the door. And, And I said, do you want to open your door right now? And she said, yes. I said, I'm going to just lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up and I can do that, I, we, and we'll do that today, and I can pray a prayer, and you could pray the prayer after me, but there's something that I can't do for you, and I can't, couldn't do it for her either, and uh, uh, she interprets during the day, and then the, the van takes her back at four o'clock, and, and she goes back home, and then she was going to come the next day, and I said, you know, Rolanda, tomorrow night, we're going to have a Holy Spirit night, and uh, and if I can arrange for, for housing for you, would you consider staying overnight and being part of that night? And when, when we got back to the place, and so she said she was going to ask her mom. And, but when we got back to the place for supper, I wrote out the whole, all those verses, the bridge illustration, gave it to her so she could look them all, all those scriptures up herself. And, and I said, you go ask your mom if, if, if it would be okay if you stayed over tomorrow night and come to the Holy Spirit. So she, she came back the next day and she said, I can stay. And that night we were ministering to the or there were 75 orphans there that we were ministering to. And she never got prayed for. But she told me afterwards, she said, I felt the presence of God. I, I, I I felt the peace. That's called the witness of the Holy Spirit. No man can give you that witness. Only the Holy Spirit can give you that witness. And in his mercy... God wants to give us, each one of us, not what we deserve, but what he died for, for us to have. And so maybe today, even the very reason you're here is because not just that you decided to go to church or somebody dragged you along to church, but that God was arranging things. That God arranged everything so that you would be here today. Not so that you would come to this church and be part of this church, but because Jesus is knocking. Because this is your day. And maybe while I was talking and telling Rolanda's story, you were saying to yourself, and I would I would say Jesus was telling you, oh my, I'm the one at the door. I'm I'm at the door. That's that's not just her, that's that's me. And there's something going on right now. That is the mercy of God that something's going on right now. So here's how I want to close the service or this part of the service. If this is you, Jesus is knocking, and today you want to open your door. Would you mind just Everybody, just close your eyes. And if that is you, would you just slip your hand over your heart? If that is you you, you, you want to open your heart to Jesus. Would you just put your hand over your heart right now? There are so many hands over so many hearts that I'm going to, instead of you doing the prayer silently, I'm going I'm to ask all believers to help these that are praying for the first time. I'm going to ask you to do this prayer out loud. Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for rising again from the dead and for chasing me down and knocking on my door. Today I'm opening my heart by faith. I'm coming just as I am. And I'm inviting you to come just as you are. Be my Savior and my Lord. Lord. Wash away all of my sins. I receive your gift of eternal life. Now, would you mind just keeping your eyes closed for just a moment, because this is probably the most important part. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and would you let each one who prayed that prayer sincerely know that it's been answered. Would you give them a witness of your presence and of your peace? Would you let them, would the weight of sin come off their shoulders? Would they know by a mystery that they're in, that, that, they're, 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 that, that Jesus has heard that prayer and is now taking them up on, the, on their invitation to him to come in to save them, to be Savior and Lord? Would you do that, Holy Spirit, come? Come, Holy Spirit, I pray.